Hey, this is R2 from After the Weekend, and I just wanted to count on the uh, five most influential films. Uh, I have two lists, though. The past hundred years, I would say Metropolis, King Kong, and I would say in the past 50 years, Jaws, Star Wars, Superman, Indiana Jones, and Iron. By no means are these definitive lists, but these are all extremely influential films, in my honest opinion. Hashtag Red Pie Family. All right, stick with me here. Um, oh, 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 yes, I, uh, oh, oh, I've got a, uh, ah, another little brain nugget for us here. Yes, yes. Okay, uh, oh, 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 so Star Wars. Three films. In a trilogy, yes, three three trilogies, ah, yes, oh, a trilogy of of trilogies. So, so uh, I, I guess what I mean to say is three is kind of a big deal for Star Wars, mm. right? Yes. And so there's a lot of things that happen in triples. Mm-hmm. Okay. So triple digits also is significant. Yes. And so for the. Scarif Scuttlebutt podcast, our friend Ro and Shanti and uh, Brad as well. Um, another trio. Look at that. They are celebrating their 100th episode. Uh, I don't think Charles can count that high, but they can. Uh, uh, they can. You know, that was, a, that was a real low blow. I'm shorter than you, that, so I guess that, that, that does work, actually. <laughs> Those are the only blows I could. Hey, Rob, shut up. Don't say it. Don't say it. So in all honesty and in all sincerity, Ro and the crew, we appreciate all you've done for us as a podcast, all you've done for our network, the Red 5 Network. And we congratulate you on breaking the barrier and going to triple digits. Absolutely. 100 episodes. That's a fantastic mark to hit. Hey, Mark. Hey, Mark. So 100% is the best you can get. And we've gotten the best, not only leader, but friend out of Ro and Chantal and Brad. And we are thankful every day to be part of the Red 5 Network. And we can't say nothing but congratulations on 100 episodes. And we can't wait for the next two or three. Uh, uh, the next 100. Two or three hundred. There sir. you go. Thank you. I, you know what? I'm, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna tweet this out because I'm so proud of this. <laughs> See you on Twitter. <laughs> What's Twitter? <laughs> oh, oh do we have to tell them who we are? Because we didn't. Whoops. <laughs> I'm Charles. And I'm Pat. And we are Conversations. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Are we still recording? Yeah, but we Perfect. can stop now. <laughs> <laughs> this podcast is part of the Red 5 Network. For more Red 5 Network podcasts, visit red5network.com. Hello, my friends, and thank you for selecting this, our 100th episode of the Scarif Scuttlebutt podcast. We've had quite a ride since our episode one from Star Wars Celebration Chicago, but here we are, still at it and still having fun. If this is your first time listening, big thanks for that. We hope you enjoy what we do, and we hope you stick around. 
For our longtime listeners, a huge thank you. It's you guys that make this podcasting thing still so much fun after 100 episodes. And for our patrons, a heartfelt thank you supporting us as we strive to be the best that we can with your help. Our 100 show was so much fun to record and it almost snuck up on us, but we really do have a treat for you. We had a great collaboration with our friend Andrew from the sciencefictionary.com and we tackled the almost impossible question to answer what are the top five most influential films of all time? Yikes, what a question. We asked you on Twitter and we got some great answers as well. We'll take a look at them throughout the show. We'll also be sharing with you some beautiful messages from some of our followers and friends, words of encouragement on our 100th episode. Thank you so much for your voicemails. We appreciate it. And last but not least, stay tuned towards the end as we tell you how you can be entered in our newest giveaway. We teamed up with our t-shirt vendor, the incomparable Tee Public, to give away a couple of t-shirts as a thank you. I'll be back at the end to tell you how to enter, but I'll give you a hint. You gotta be passionate. More on that later. On behalf of Brad, Shanti, and yours truly, let's get this show started. Because as we say around here, it's always sunny on Scarif, and that's the scuttlebutt. What's up, Scarif Scuttlebutt Podcast? It's Blake from Dork Wars the Podcast, and I want to congratulate you guys on 100 episodes. Bro, Brad, and Shanti, you have an amazing chemistry, great content, and you're more fun to watch than a vac tube full of porgs. You guys have really inspired our show, and I'm sure countless others, and we can't wait to celebrate the next 100 with you. So again, congrats, and just keep putting out the great content. Thanks, guys. Hey, this is Todd from WSDR Galactic Public Access. Oh my goodness, you made it to 100 episodes. Such a major accomplishment. Congratulations on three years as a podcast. That's crazy. Uh, but yes, Ro, Chantel, Brad, and even Alex, uh, you guys did such an amazing job getting to 100. Major congratulations. And here is to 100 more can't wait uh, to celebrate with you guys at ScareCon and all the crazies that's going on in the Red 5 Network. Thank you so much for setting that up and being the, the, the pod father row and getting that all started. Major congratulations and looking forward to more collaborations in the future. And that's the Scuttlebutt. Bye! Hello, Scara. This is your very disruptive co-host, Shanti. I just want to wish you and Brad a happy 100th. I know I haven't been here the whole time, so uh, I just wanted to say thank you so much for creating this network, for creating this podcast, and for being stupid enough to ask me to be your co-host. I love you guys very, very, very much. Thank you for essentially saving me from myself and for giving me lots of laughs and a lot of insight into this wonderful world that we call the Nerd Kingdom. I hope that we continue to make more great content and that we continue to make hundreds and hundreds of episodes. Love you guys, and that's the scuttlebutt. Hey everyone, this is Ro and Shanti from the Scare of Scuttlebutt podcast. How is everybody? Shanti, how you doing, man? Good. 
Good. Excellent. How was your day? <laughs> it could have been better. It could have been but better. Things are, things are looking up, so it's okay. Excellent, excellent. And uh, speaking of things are looking up, uh, today we are recording on March 22nd. It's a Tuesday evening. And uh, we just uh, we just made an announcement a few hours ago. We have a new member of the Red Five Network and uh, someone that uh, is uh, is really cool. We hope that uh, you get to enjoy more and more of her as uh, she creates content. But Danny over at Comics and Cosmetics, and she just celebrated 100 subs. And you and Tina were on the show uh, this weekend, which was a lot of fun, wasn't it? Yes, it was. It was a drunken mess. It was, it was great. A, yeah, it was great. Uh, great to see you guys have fun and uh, welcome Danny to the Red Five Network. I hope everyone has warned her already. Seems like <laughs> seems like she's been warned. I think she's going to fit in just fine. <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, so tonight we have a, a really great topic. It's uh, it's kind of a, a topic that I wanted to get off the ground. Um, uh, because of, uh, if you guys have been following, uh, our friend Andrew over at the science fictionary, you know, that he's got the, uh, the series, uh, the, uh, Mount Rushmore of so-and-so I love that they kind of go deep into, uh, you know, the, the, the most important things of whatever it is that they're doing. I was, uh, talking with a friend and he was uh, asking me about the most influential movies of all time. And that kind of gave me that idea. So uh, tonight, uh, I, I really want to get uh, deep into what we thought uh, some of the greatest movies, uh, influential movies of all time, and I guess across all genres. But without further ado, I'd like to say hello and good evening to our friend Andrew from the Science Fictionary Podcast. Hey, what's up, man? Oh, not much. What's going on? Thanks for thanks for having me. Oh, absolutely. This is going to be a lot of fun. So whether it is for breathtaking imagery, amazing acting, or spectacular groundbreaking technology that sets benchmarks, uh, you know, movies have enthralled us and captivated our imaginations. There are certain movies that we think of that change the landscape of not only a genre, but how we look at films to begin with. And Shanti, you and I always talk about the difference between movies and films, mm -hmm. uh, which I think is kind of a very fascinating concept. Uh, so tonight... We're going to tackle such an exciting topic, the five most influential movies of all time. And obviously with big thanks to our followers who were gracious enough to offer their choices. Uh, and we're going to get down uh, to the nitty gritty uh, uh, right now. This should be a lot of fun. What do you think of this topic, Shanti? I am in love with this topic. I'm sure that doesn't shock you. I, when I saw this... When I saw your tweet, I was like, oh, my mind immediately started working. I was like, okay, which movies? I had started thinking about it. I was very, I'm very excited about this topic. And, you know, it's, it's hard because, you know, I, I say which of the five movies uh, have been the most influential of all time. And I know a lot of people have dropped uh, in, in a retweet. You know, a lot of movies that are really, you know, they're they're really up there for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. um, there are some common movies that a lot of people kind of mentioned. And uh, I put a long list of movies in our notes tonight. Um, but uh, I wanted to, you know, I, I just wanted to talk briefly um, to see where your guys' heads are at. Um, I know, I, I can't remember, Shanti, if uh, you just kind of liked the post and then I 
think you said that you were going to save your selections for tonight's show. So that's going to be exciting. But Andrew, I'm hoping that you saw some of the responses uh, from some of our followers, but I'm sure you've got your own selections. And I did see your tweets and your responses on, on some of your mm-hmm. selections. And I, you know, I'll have to say, I was not surprised knowing what you like and uh, how you talk about certain you know, fantasy movies. Uh, I wasn't surprised at some of your selections, but uh, w- what do you think? Oh, I love the concept. I mean, it's, you know, we, I started, we were, we were in out of town with Marisha and I saw the tweet and I was like, okay, I got to hold on a minute. Cause I've got to respond to this. <laughs> and, uh, but it was like all that. I mean, when we did our pillars series, when we did the pillars of sci-fi and the pillars of fantasy in particular, and we also did the pillars of action adventure, um, and so, I mean, we did, we dug deep. I mean, I did hours and hours of research every week for the duration of those episodes. Uh, and each, each series was like six episodes. So, um, this really, like, there are definitely some things that fall in the most influential category that weren't part of my research. Um, but I do think that, especially in the science fiction and fantasy, the more I thought about it, it's it's kind of impressive that the number of really influential movies that come out of the science fiction field. Absolutely. Because yeah. it gives you an opportunity to discuss deep topics without being so on the nose. Sure. And I think that's um, that's the wonderful thing about science fiction. You know, you can kind of slide in these, these very... Um, you know, important themes, uh, you know, and disguise them with uh, fancy spaceships and laser swords, which is uh, always a lot of fun. Um, but Shanti, I want to ask you a question. Um, we did get some really great entries from mm-hmm. our followers, but I wanted to ask you if you, how did you think about putting your list together? Was it certain categories? Was it uh, certain you know, I guess historical benchmarks when it comes to to the movies that that you thought of. But w- how did your what was your process? When I look at my list and I see that three out of the five stem from the twenties and know, the thirties, okay. I, I I again I have such an appreciation for film, and for me, I'm always going to appreciate where everything kind of started. You know what I mean? So. Yes, I love modern movies and things, but I really wanted to kind of, you know, pay my respects in a way when I thought about this, this list. Absolutely. And, you know, for whatever reason, you know, these movies uh, have shaped filmmaking um, and I think filmmaking in any genre, but, uh, you know, Andrew, you're right. Uh, there's a lot that come from the fantasy and science fiction aspect of it because they're so technical. Um, obviously, you know, movies like Star Wars comes to mind. Uh, where they really changed the landscape of, of filmmaking and everything behind the scenes in how, you know, filmmakers present science fiction and fantasy, you know, going forward past 1977. So uh, let's, uh, let's dive in and see what we have in our list. So, you know, there's a couple of movies that, uh, like I said, um, some of our um, followers have posted that I put on the list, but you know, you've got movies like Schindler's list and the matrix wizard of Oz going back in time a little bit. We mentioned star Wars, you've got planet of the apes. So some of these movies, you know, for some reason or another really tap the imagination of, of folks that submitted them. And I want to get down uh, and see if we can answer 
why some of these folks picked these movies. Um, some of them I can definitely see it's, it's plain as day. Um, but some of the other ones, you know, we might need to do some really some, some, some good thinking about, uh, why uh, these folks picked them. I want to get to Shanti's list because it's, it's interesting to me that she went back in time. Cause I always tease you that uh, you were a fetus in the eighties. So I have, uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm going to be really surprised at uh, some of the stuff that you picked, but let's go to the, uh, to the bottom of your list and see what you pick. Okay. So you want me to start from five? Yeah, sure. Well, I'm glad because <laughs> If anything, this movie influenced a ton, which is the original jazz singer, okay. 1927. And the reason for that being is because it is the first movie with audible words, a talkie, essentially. It you know it was the first time that anyone actually heard a person speak on film. And so while maybe it didn't influence a genre, it influenced the entire film industry. I mean, it you know now. You know, moving pictures, everything is so different. It's not just movement and music and that's it. Um, and not only that, but you could say it's the first musical, essentially. So with that, I mean, it did influence, I guess, the genre music. I mean, musicals were a huge deal for a long time, you know, for a while there. So that's why I chose that one. Yeah. Imagine going to the movie house, as mm-hmm. they were called back in the day. And, mm-hmm. you know, movies were just moving pictures. There was no um, there was no soundtrack coming from the movie. There was a, a guy in a pit and a piano, uh, you know, playing some some uh, some music that went along with some of the action on there. And uh, you know, black and white images moving, you know, pretty fast, uh, played back at uh, always seems like it's double the speed. I, I'm not sure if. Uh, if, if we're, we're watching the actual speed of the film. But uh, yeah, it's just always interesting, you know, getting back to the historical aspects of movies. You had, you know, this film from, like you said, uh, you know, sound syncing to to the, the, the visuals on, on screen. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's a good one. Um, yeah. what, what do you think of that one, uh, Andrew? That's a really good one. And I had not thought, I mean, like musicals really are not my kind of forte, but yeah. Uh, but it's it's a good one. I mean, and I appreciate the going back. I mean, that's really what the when we did the Pillars series, it was about going back mm-hmm. and trying to find kind of the one that influenced things that came after it. And and so often you would find one later, and you'd go, but no, you still have to go a little further back. Um, and so, yeah, it's a great choice. So I'm going to chuck this one out to kind of like a technical aspect. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have sound. Um, so there is uh, one little check mark there for the uh, technical aspect of movies, uh, which I think, you know, we're, there's going to be a lot of that here. I'm not going to force uh, us to narrow it down to five because I really do want to talk about a lot of the films that were uh, submitted and uh, some of the films that we are talking about. Andrew, what is uh, on the bottom of your list? Um, let's see. I mean, I guess for starters, I could throw something out there like um, The Wizard of Oz. You know, it, it's a big one. It's uh, it sort of falls kind of in that that musical genre, but it's 
So the, the fantasy genre, it's kind of like the science fiction genre and even comic books where for, for many years they weren't taken seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I would argue that even after The Wizard of Oz, that, that science fiction came into its own as a something that was not just for kids earlier on than than some other genres like comics were still kind of for kids and and even fantasy movies but wizard of oz didn't do that wizard of oz was one of the earliest movies to overcome that and that on top of just the things that they did for cinematography there are technically color movies that that precede it but it's because of they went so big and did it on a grander scale than anybody had ever done it it's widely regarded as the first color film but it did something that it, it became the the benchmark. And that's kind of the way I looked at mine was historical benchmarks. And it is the benchmark for fantasy filmmaking until Lord of the Rings. Sure. Absolutely. And um, was that the first? I'm not sure if that was the first film the um, that uh, that used the Technicolor aspect. It was Gone or with the, the Wind. Was Gone with the Wind was Technicolor? Yes, that was the first okay. color film. Um, but yeah, like Wizard of Oz, and they did something very ingenious too. You know, they started out in black and white, and then you know, in the middle of the movie, is that didn't they also incorrect? <laughs> really? Yes. So the original Wizard of Oz, the opening was filmed in sepia tone. Okay. And then it transfers into color. But for some reason, when they finally broadcast it on TV, some stations, for whatever reason. I guess because the way the sepia maybe couldn't translate well, it was mm-hmm. actually turned into black and white. Oh. And then now that's why my memories of The Wizard of Oz are a little warped. And sure. I was actually going through some home videos last year, and I actually came across a recording of The Wizard of Oz that my grandparents must have done for my sister and I back in the 90s. And I couldn't believe it when I saw the black and white because I was like, I mm. haven't seen the black and white opening since I was a kid but oh, wow. technically it was sepia tone first. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's pretty cool. So yeah, Wizard of Oz, Andrew, besides you, we had uh, used and abused podcast, uh, talk about uh, the Wizard of Oz and uh, our friend uh, 1000th Ghost also yeah. uh, mentioned Wizard of Oz. Um, so yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of uh, you know historical significance to that film. Um, which is, uh, which is really cool. And obviously, uh, you know, Wizard of Oz is, uh, is a favorite among fans and moviegoers as well, uh, in whatever genre. Um, I also want to go back in time a little bit myself and, uh, go ahead and, uh, pick, uh, 1920s, uh, I think it was 1922 Nosferatu. which uh, was when I was a kid, I don't know where I saw this. It was uh, Chicago has a uh, kind of a creature feature Friday night, uh, you know, movie presentation show called uh, The Son of Sven And I might have seen it on there um, after I was supposed to be in bed um, <laughs> as a kid. But uh, that black and white image of that vampire with the big head and the ears and the and the big nails really freaked the crap out of me as a kid <laughs> mm-hmm. and uh you know it's it's such a striking image um 
And I guess it's the earliest existing vampire film and uh, gave us vampires that uh, were killed by sunlight. So narratively speaking, it seems like that one kind of set the benchmark for vampire movies, uh, you know, yet to come. I would almost venture to say that vampire movies are almost uh, in their own genre. I know a lot of people kind of clump them into horror, mm-hmm. um, but uh, vampires really have their own lore when it comes to, to film. Um, obviously started uh, as early as uh, Nosferatu. Um, we've got uh, everything from, you know, big-headed uh, vampires to sparkly vampires and beyond. So, um, yeah, kudos to oh. Nosferatu. Um, getting back to the notes, are there any other movies that we might want to kind of slip in there that might be a little uh, influential? Um, now that we're on this uh, 1920s kick, um, I mean, working, uh, working back in time. Metropolis is actually on my list, and I see it on this list too. Yeah, absolutely. I think that, uh, yeah, that that's on there. And, uh, you know, everybody will uh, mention Metropolis uh, as far as uh, influencing certain characters in our beloved uh, space franchise. You've got the droid of Metropolis, uh, which uh, very closely resembles C-3PO, especially in the Ralph McQuarrie uh, mm-hmm. pre previs paintings. Uh, they're... They're like cousins. It's uh, Yeah, it's I think cool. as much as anything, as far as its impact on Star Wars, it was a heavy oh, yeah. uh, it's, uh, touchstone for Ralph McQuarrie. Absolutely. There's another one that uh, one of our followers, uh, Darth Hound, suggested, which um, I didn't do any research um, over, but it's a movie from 1920 called, and Andrew, I don't know if, you, if you've heard of this, The Cabinet of Dr. Cal- Caligari. I don't know that one. Yeah. Influenced the styles of filmmakers like David Lynch and Tim Burton. So uh, that is uh, interesting. He did post a uh, picture, a still of the movie. So Nosferatu, Metropolis. We've got uh, the jazz singer, Wizard of Oz. Let's uh, skip ahead if you want. Um, Shanti, what is next on your list? Star Wars. Of course. The original, 1977. Talk about influential. I mean, and then talk ILM. about the, our, our other technical, you know, our other checklist, ILM, the technical mm-hmm. aspect. Um, we can obviously do a, an entire show or create an entire podcast based on Star Wars uh, technical uh, achievements. And they've won awards, uh, you know, every year, uh, time and time again. Um, a lot of movies have borrowed the technology that was created by the folks at ILM. You've got, uh, John Dykstra, Dennis Murin, everything from, you know, motion camera, uh, 
technology to stop motion and you know modern 3d animation with uh jurassic park so star wars uh i think is the birthplace of uh much of modern filmmaking technology and uh you cannot overstate the contribution of that star wars has had in uh modern cinema especially modern genre cinema um wouldn't you say that's true andrew Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, the amount of technology that was created just to make that movie happen and then everything that preceded it as they just continued to grow that machine. But that's the thing. It's it's important cinematically. It's important musically. Mm-hmm. It's important just for science fiction and making science fiction more mainstream. Yep. Um, it's the beginning of science fiction not just being for the nerd, right? It, it's... It brings it to a wider audience and no movie. I would argue that no movie in existence has had the pop culture impact of Star Wars. So even outside of what it did on screen, its impact in the culture is immeasurable. Yeah. And that's why I have it here as sci-fi fantasy is one of the things that I wrote in my notes is that it really did make a sci-fi fantasy genre, Mm. you know, and and I I agree 100% with Andrew. That is one of the reasons why I love Star Wars. It's not sci-fi like that you know star trek seems to only appeal to a certain group of people star wars yeah. seems to really branch out and reach pretty yeah, much everyone. i mean everyone went to go see star wars everyone well, it, it didn't matter it, it's a high fantasy story wrapped yeah. in a sci-fi packaging yeah exactly andrew you said something that's very interesting that has always been very interesting mm-hmm. to me and it's one of the reasons you know again like like i've always said it's one of the reasons that i really got into loving uh, loving the franchise and loving this film is, you know, George Lucas hired these guys out of college. Most of them, they worked on, on uh, television commercials. They were innovative. They didn't have any of the technology that was needed to create this film. And they, I, I think most of the ILM um, workers up in San Francisco, when they first got hired um, and were housed in this, uh, this uh, abandoned warehouse, um, they, they they played around for almost a year when George came back and said, what have we done? Well, not much because we're all hippies. Uh, but uh, it, it's uh, to me, it's, it's so fascinating. The innovation of, uh, of these uh, folks that uh, really created all this stuff. And um, now, you know, they are, you know, for behind the scenes kind of guys like me, I mean, they're, they're, they're almost like they're godlike um, in the uh, realm of uh, production. And, uh, you know, I mentioned names like uh, John Dykstra. I just recorded um, with Nick uh, at Backyard Tardis, our episode for Battlestar Galactica this week. And as I was doing research, you know, I knew that John Dykstra kind of crossed over into Battlestar Galactica land to lend all the equipment and the the shots that were used for the original Battlestar Galactica. But I didn't know how many other ILMers were there. I saw, uh, you know, some of the old uh, other guys that were there, Dennis Murin and uh, Ken Ralston. So it was almost like, you know, they were doing Star Wars, but on the small screen, even before any of the Star Wars streaming shows were were even in development. So it's kind of a, a fascinating um, little history lesson for me uh, as I was doing the research for, for that show as well. 
All right, time for the big thank yous, podcast family, to those of you that support the Scarif Scuttlebutt podcast. Team Scarif gives you all a heartfelt thank you, wonderful people who have found it in their hearts to support our show. We're super lucky to have you. Folks like Amanda, Jedi Caligula 89, Joey Rosales, What Up Joey, The Salty Crew at the Salty Nerd Podcast, Alex and Matt, super fan of many of the Red 5 Network pods, Nicholas Schaefer, follow him at Backyard Tardis. What's up, Nick? Our Star Wars celebration friend, Chad, at Hyperspace and Holocrons. Jay from Florida, our other Floridians, Frank, at the garrison level. Big thanks. And looking at you, Steve, from Rogue One Radio. Check out that Red 5 pod for movies, music, TV, and more. And certainly not least, our executor-level patrons, 97 Bravo and the Conversions Podcast. And Scott and Kim from the Used and Abused Podcast. Big thank you, Red Fivers. Go give them a follow. And our newest garrison-level patron, Melanie Marquita. Big hugs to you, my friend. Huge respect to all our patrons for your support. And if you want to become more involved in the Scarif Scuttlebutt community and feel like becoming a patron, head over to patreon.com slash scuttlebutt. Remember, we can't have the scuttle without the butt. And don't forget, it's always sunny on Scarif with patrons like you. Hey, Ro, Shanti, Brad, it's me, Danny, over at Comics and Cosmetics, and I just wanted to say congratulations for making it this long, making it this far. I mean, you've gotten people to listen to you for a 100 episodes. That's impressive. I can't even get people to listen to me for five... Hello, hello to my friends at Scarif Podcast. Call Ando Onaka calling to congratulate you on 100 episodes. I must go quickly as I am currently being hunted by Grand Admiral Thrawn. Something about raiding his Imperial Armory. I don't know what he's talking about. Ando Onaka, you are surrounded. You will now pay for your insult. <laughs> Insolence! <laughs> we are pirates. We don't even know what that means. Well, congratulations once again. Any other notables that you guys want to mention from our list in the notes? Um, I mean, I think there's some really big ones in there. I mean, The Godfather is one that's on my list, oh. uh, and is also I see in the in the list from the tweets um, from from last week or or this past weekend. But I mean, you know, it's one of those. It's certainly not the first mob movie, right? But it kind of made a mainstream. Mm-hmm. And not just that, it is, and this is where I kind of went back to benchmarks. It is the benchmark, and it's been the benchmark since the day it came out, and nothing, mm-hmm. and it's still the thing that every mob movie is immediately compared to. Sure. For me, on the horror side, there's two that stand out, and one of them is actually on my list. So, Psycho and The Exorcist. The Exorcist is the one on my list. Somewhere between science and superstition, there is another world. <laughs> the world. 
of darkness. Yeah, I would have named Psycho, but sci- again, because horror, just like sci-fi, has all these subgenres. Mm-hmm. Psycho definitely started the you know the more psychological thriller sure. type stuff. That that's more you know his thing. But the reason why I chose The Exorcist is because it was actually the first horror movie to finally be taken seriously enough for it to be nominated for an Oscar. I heard, because, yeah. Yeah, at that point, horror has never been taken seriously, which is really sure. sad considering how it started out. I mean, we did the episode with Andy on the Universal Monsters, so mm-hmm. it was a respected genre at one point. So, yeah, those are the two horror movies, the ones that stood out for me in that list. I blame Abbott and Costello. Yeah, I do too. Yeah, you're right. No, you're 100% correct. Uh, That's too funny. But yeah, Psycho, um, I remember, I don't know if I was doing, this was actually um, in college that I was doing research, but I remember reading that uh, the theaters were ordered not to let anyone in um, late. Mm-hmm. If you were if you were uh, late, they wouldn't let you in. Once the movie started, that was it. They closed the theater, and you had to watch it, uh, you know, all the way through. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think is, you know, I, I think it's great uh, for many reasons. It's, um, you know, you, you don't get the distraction, but I think you get uh, the full impact of what you were about to see. And um, I think actually movie theaters should actually go back to doing that because <laughs> I agree. Yeah, you know, um, treat yeah. it like a ballet or a theater where. Mm-hmm. They won't let you go in. But yeah, I mean, Exorcist really uh, set the benchmark for for horror. Um, and uh, like you and said, like possession it, type right. movies. There are no experts. You probably know as much about possession as most priests. Look, your daughter doesn't say she's a demon. She says she's the devil himself. I'm telling you that that thing upstairs isn't my daughter. Now, I want you to tell me that you know for a fact that there's nothing wrong with my daughter except in her mind. You tell me you know for a fact that an exorcism wouldn't do any good. You tell me that! You know, you had movies like the Amityville Horror, which is also kind of up there when it comes to, um, you know, I want to coin the term prestigious horror. Yes. Um, But like you said, you know, a lot of times horror... Um, is looked upon as kind of schlocky teenage entertainment. You've got mm-hmm. Camp Crystal Lake and the teenagers at uh, <laughs> on Friday the 13th. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, absolutely. The Exorcist and Psycho are uh, two uh, wonderful examples of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, an interesting note on the horror genre just in general is that there are some really important uh, horror films that exist from actually the the 1890s. Mm. But the problem is just like a lot of early science fiction, they're gone. Yeah. They're lost. Yeah. You know, you have, uh, you know, one of the only existing movies from that time in sci-fi, you still have bits and pieces of uh, La Voyage de la Lune's or however it's pronounced. I mean, that's, um, like 1902 it's it's regarded as the first science fiction movie and i don't think there's but pieces of it left now everybody knows it Mm -hmm. because it's the image of the moon with the face with the uh the rocket sticking in one of the eyes right yeah yeah um it was very hg wells jules verne inspired Mm. but yeah i mean there are there are at least you know a dozen or so 
horror films from the 1890s and the the like the 1900s, like 1900 to 1910. And most of them are lost forever. I love the human psyche. We love being scared for some reason, don't we? Sure. That, that would yeah. be the genre that, you know, seems to have such an early start date. Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned that movie, um, Andrew, and, uh, you know, again, talking about technical benchmarks, I mean, they used a lot of editing techniques and a lot of in-camera techniques to fool the audience into believing, you know, somebody can teleport from one location to another, you know, um, with, uh, you know, now we we, sometimes we call them jump cuts, but, you know, Back then, it was kind of a new thing. You know, you, mm-hmm. you shoot a scene with nobody in it. You stop the camera. You put the people in. You start the camera again. And all of a sudden, they popped in. It's like, oh, my God, that's magic. How did they do that? <laughs> um, Have you ever so, seen Hugo? Martin Scorsese? Yes. Hugo? I don't remember it too much, though. It was I, basically, it, yeah. you know, like a homage to that whole thing. Because I think Ben Kingsley is playing that filmmaker. And they mm. show like how do, he made yeah. the in like flashbacks. They show how he made the film. It's mm. really really beautiful. Yeah, I do remember that. So, who wants to go next on their list? Shanti, what do you got? All right, so this is my final one, and it's actually not on the main list. Oh, okay, and it shouldn't surprise anybody because it's a Disney movie. <laughs> Snow White. Before a magic lamp yielded its power. Before an enchanted rose cast its spell. Before a glass slipper revealed its magic. There was an apple. A magic wishing apple. A wishing apple? Yeah! One bite and all your dreams the one that started it all. Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Snow White. It is the first essentially animated feature film. Walt, everyone thought Walt was crazy. You can't tell a story using animation. It's not going to be taken seriously. Snow White comes out. You put everybody to shame. To the point where the witch was so scary that they actually had to change the upholstery in Radio City Hall because all the kids were peeing themselves. Oh, my God. That's hilarious. I didn't know that. So, and not only that, but it just influences the entire genre of just animated film. I mean, do you think it would still be taken seriously if all we kept getting were just Mickey Mouse cartoons or just well, shorts? Short. You know what I mean? Like That's yeah. the thing. Mickey Mouse was big, right? right. Don't get me wrong. Mickey Mouse is big. But yeah. this is what built the House of Mouse. The house. Exactly. Exactly. Like this shaped the entire future of Disney. Not, not Mickey Mouse. Mickey Mouse is a great, you know – figurehead kind of right. for your whole thing. And and don't get me wrong, Fantasia is an important film as well. But this is the movie that Disney exists today because of this movie. Yeah. Mm. It got an honorary Oscar. I mean, it, that animation wasn't a category at the Oscars. I mean, this movie was a big deal. It was huge. Imagine telling somebody that you can't tell a, a cohesive story in 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 the genre of animation. It's crazy to think about that now. Yeah, I can't mm. even fathom Nuts. that. And Walt said, "Challenge accepted." <laughs> yeah, 
And, you know, getting back to, you know, movies that are, are influential, you know, obviously you also have the people behind the scenes. You mentioned Walt Disney, um, obviously very influential, creative genius. You've got uh, George Lucas. Um, you've got Francis Ford Coppola. I mean, you know, these are, you know, giants in their industry and, um, you know, they're obviously well-deserved and attached to the movies that we are um, talking about. So that's, uh, that's really fantastic. Getting back to the list. I, you know, I want to also mention, um, you know, we're going to get into another technical uh, discussion here, but uh, the movie that kind of changed um, how we see visuals in action movies. Um, everybody knows what we mean when somebody mentions bullet time. Have you ever had a dream, Neo, that you were so sure was real? What if you were unable to wake from that dream? How would you know the difference between the dream world and the real world? What is happening to me? And that is a, a phrase that was coined during the production of uh, The Matrix. And The Matrix is a film, again, that was groundbreaking visually and technically. You had that shot where uh, Keanu Reeves kind of, uh, you know, dodges that bullet doing that little dance with the uh, with the uh, with his with his coat, his uh, trench coat. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the rest is history. Everybody and their grandmother tried to replicate bullet time to some degree of, of success or, or not. Um, but, uh, what do you, what do you guys think of the matrix as one of the entries? There are only a few benchmarks in film that absolutely change the way you look at a movie. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, you, you go back, the wizard of Oz is one of those and you come forward, star Wars. There are only a few movies where you get that moment that you got that, that audiences got in 1977 mm -hmm. where people were walking out of theaters with their minds blown. And, and so the wizard of Oz is one of those star Wars is probably the next one out there that really just not that there weren't some, but it's the first just mind blowing game changing thing on the list. And honestly, from from Star Wars, you jump forward to the other two that I always mention because I wasn't alive to see Star Wars in 1977 and have that moment. But I had that moment when I watched Jurassic Park mm -hmm. because, you know, we walked out of those theaters going, what in the hell did we just watch? Right. Like, you know, just mind blown. And The Matrix is another one of those films. So usually that would probably be the four I would say if I had to pick four benchmarks that changed the way you view movies would be Wizard of Oz, Star Wars, uh, Jurassic Park, and The Matrix. Matrix was very huge, and like I said, you know, very influential in uh, special effects uh, action photography uh, with uh, bullet time. Really cool. And I think a couple of people, you know, chose uh, the Matrix for that specific reason, and uh, we thank you all for doing so. Um, and obviously, um, you know, Jurassic Park is also on on our list. Um, I just, uh, you know, a couple of uh, episodes ago, I talked about Jurassic Park with uh, Mr. Salty himself. Please go check that episode out. It's uh, a lot of fun. But um, Jurassic Park, for sure. Uh, the advent yeah. of 3D uh, technology and 
bringing dinosaurs to life. What a wonderful, wonderful movie. Still looks really good. I think mm-hmm. it actually looks better than the newer movies, to tell you the it's, truth. Well, it was the perfect blending of it of practical and perfect. digital. Yeah. It's, you know, it's Not when you look far. back. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's what's like the Lord of the Rings, the, you know, the, the Lord of the Rings trilogy, mm-hmm. where they did everything is this big, huge combination of practical and digital. But then when they did The Hobbit, the studio insisted that they go all digital. And it shows. It does. It does. You're right. And and that because of that, even though the Hobbit movies are newer, the Lord of the Rings movies still look better. Yeah. yeah. Um, but when we talk Jurassic Park, I think there's a really, really important one from the same director that sets the stage for Jurassic Park to ever be a thing in his Jaws. Mm. And I, I think you have to mention Jaws because it's the first blockbuster. People were afraid to go to the beach that summer. But you're right. 19, what, 76? Yeah. 76. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I guess it depends on how you feel about going in the water after, but. uh, Mm -hmm. I've been in the ocean with with a shark and we had to be, we had to be told by the lifeguard to get out of the water. And honestly, you know what I did? I ran back, got my camera, went right into the Sure. Like, <laughs> like I'm being serious when I say I want to go diving with sharks. That is literally a life goal of mine. Well, well something I'll, I'll tell all the listeners that uh, that might be afraid of sharks, having spent a lot of time out there fishing. You're if you're in the water, you're never very far from a shark. I know. That's oh. <laughs> yeah. like I I also heard a saying that you know you are never less than five. No, you're never more than five feet away from a spider anywhere. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. Interesting. Good luck tonight. <laughs> Sleeping, <laughs> they No, they eat the bugs. The spiders are okay with me. <laughs> um, I want to get back to um, Andrew because I, I, I know that uh, your love – for Lord of the Rings is unmatched and unparalleled. And I want you to uh, talk a little bit about the, uh, the importance of Lord of the Rings in, uh, in history and filmmaking. I think Lord of the Rings is a really interesting one because it first dominated the literature's the literature category. It becomes the book that all fantasy literature is compared to. From the moment it comes out, it becomes this big global phenomenon. It's it's like the second most sold book after the Bible since it came out. And so everything that has been written is immediately compared back to Tolkien to the point where we see we see authors today claiming, you know, getting upset because Tolkien has given too much shelf space that new authors deserve. And it's like, but this is what people still buy. And it's, it's, it's the benchmark that you have to live up to, but there's not a lot of things that have existed in that space in the literature space and been that dominant. And then years later, decades later, get translated to film 
and do the exact same thing to the film category. It is one, it's the reason, you know, things like Game of Thrones, they don't exist if not for the success of Lord of the Rings in the in the theater. Uh, even things that are a little more historical fictions that still kind of fall into the fantasy category, like Vikings, mm-hmm. um, that, that kind of walk a line in between. Those things don't happen without Lord of the Rings. You have this this thing that was the pinnacle of science fiction literature, I mean, fantasy literature, and then turns around and becomes the pinnacle of fantasy filmmaking. I was going to say, I could have sworn Return of the King. It's considered like what the first fantasy movie to pretty much sweep the Oscars. If my yeah. memory serves me correct, I think I, mean, I think so. I mean, fantasy movies and sci-fi movies usually they, get a bum never, rap. Yeah, they do, along with horror. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's like Star Wars always gets a bum rap when it comes mm-hmm. to awards, no matter how good they are. And it's it's kind of like, well, we gave you your awards when you did your first couple of movies. Now move aside is kind of the, you know, the feeling you get there. But, um. You know, you can't make anything in the fantasy space on TV or film now that's not immediately compared to to Lord of the Rings in, in the fantasy space. And and they're they're even have Amazon is now having a problem where they're trying to make a new series uh, based earlier in Tolkien's writings, and they're being stacked up against an almost impossible to reach. Goal. Uh, goal. Right. And, you know, granted, there may be things they could do better. We'll have to see when it comes out, like what they really do and whether they really even try to reach for those heights. But um, it's it's just amazing how big of a thing Lord of the Rings is. I want to ask you guys, you know, we, we talk about these benchmarks and we talk about the comparisons that new movies uh, uh, are making um, because of their predecessors. Do you guys think it's 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 healthy to to compare uh, or, or at least to, you know, put them side by side? Or do you think that filmmakers should probably, uh, I don't know, just, you know, just keep going forward and tell new stories and tell them in a way that maybe are not as comparable or derivative of uh, what preceded it. I mean, I just kind of had a discussion like this about, I I don't want to compare Batman movies anymore. I know that Mm. sounds silly, but all of these Batman movies come out at different decades, different times, different directors, different writers, different actors. There's so many different interpretations of this one character. I do find it to be unfair at this point, and you just have to see it as it's just something that's evolving. And that's why I product of its time. Yeah. And that's why I say a lot of my movies on this list are old because I'm always going to appreciate where things come from. So no, I I, I'm kind of tired of of comparing things. I think it's just should be more of just an appreciation of what came before. And that's it. Yeah. I mean, I think that being able to go back and compare, you know, take something coming out today and and go back and filter it through knowledge of older films is important, especially for things like what we do, um, you know, with with our podcasts. But um, as far as filmmakers, like, 
sure you want to draw inspiration, but I, I find I think that the the real trick and the reason the benchmarks are so far apart because you have a benchmark, and then for the next two decades everybody's just emulating that. They're 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 trying. They're setting out to make the next Lord of the Rings or the next Godfather or the next Star Wars. And I mean, Star Wars is the one you really can look at and go, well, everybody's been trying to make the next Star Wars since 1977, <laughs> yeah. right? And and it, it hasn't worked yet because you, you you're either too on the nose or you stray far too far from the formula. Trying, you know, it's it's. I want to see creators also with a knowledge of film, but not necessarily trying to make something that's just a reskinned version of something successful that came before. Uh, quit emulating and create something new. I, I think that's um, that's really a thing that that filmmakers should be striving to do is is don't just create a replica, create the next benchmark. Right. That's why I always go back and forth as to whether or not I wonder should Star Wars have just stopped after return of the Jedi, you know, and I understand we're always going to watch everything, but you know, every time I watch something new, it kind of like a discussion I just had with certain point of view about Disney movies, all these reboots and live action, you mm -hmm. know, conversions and stuff. All it makes me want to do is go home and just watch the original. Watch the originals, That's yeah. all it does. You're just feeding my nostalgia and, you know, instead of just hitting the writer's room and really trying to create something completely different, which is another reason why Tim Burton, one of my favorite directors, hasn't been any good. He doesn't do anything in original anymore. Instead, mm -hmm. he's given us Dumbo and Alice in Wonderland. Well, it's the same rut M. Night Shyamalan fell into. Sure. It's yeah. brilliant. When he first started, it was like, this This stuff is mind-blowing. Right. And, and you know, now people kind of like to go back and kind of hate on some of his earlier things, but they were really unique mm -hmm. in the space. And then he just kind of started just rehashing the same material over right. and over again. Right. right. From a, a narrative perspective, um, you know, we haven't really talked uh, about some of the benchmarks um, narratively. We've got some epic stories that you guys have mentioned. Um, you know, everybody does the cliche thing, you know, Citizen Kane and Rosebud and all that stuff. But, you know, even a movie like Planet of the Apes um, kind of set a benchmark for how stories are told and that uh, twist ending that is so classic in planet of the apes you know you mentioned m night Shyamalan. you know at the end you know bruce willis says i see dead people that's almost like to me that's almost like you know that uh, that twist ending in the same vein as planet of the apes you're watching mm -hmm. the movie thinking one thing and all of a sudden at the end you're like holy crap uh, it's, it's mind-blowing um any other um, any other movies come to mind from uh, your guys' perspective regarding epic stories and uh, benchmarks? I mean, I think I've mentioned most of the ones that I, I definitely wanted to make sure that I mentioned. Mm -hmm. You know, there there are obviously some other really important ones. You know, War, War of the Worlds was a, a big important one. Yeah. Mm. Um, a Godzilla. Godzilla is an interesting one. Like 1954's Godzilla, because yeah, it's a it's it's a movie about a giant monster destroying a city, but it's also when you get down to the core of it, a commentary on. Um, you know, an eco you know, on ecological disasters. Sure. Yeah. And you know, that that's kind of one of the early movies to explore that science fiction had done that very, very heavily, even back into the 1800s, but it wasn't often put on screen that way. Right. You had uh, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, the works of uh, Edgar Allan Poe. 
Um, yeah, for sure. Um, and then obviously, you know, science fiction continues to, to have, you know, these messages that, uh, are, uh, very, very deep when it comes to theme, you know, Shanti, I want to ask you because you are really into comedy Mm -hmm. and, um, looks like we really don't have a, a film that might represent a benchmark, uh, influential movie as far as comedy goes. I saw um, I know, an airplane I know, on there. Right. I know a couple of people mentioned airplane, mm-hmm. but uh, any thoughts? Can I get you something? It's your mofo, butter lamb into the bone, jacking me up. Tight me. I'm sorry, I don't understand. Cuddy say can't hang. Oh, Stewardess, I speak jive. Oh, good. He said that he's in great pain and he wants to know if you can help him. All right, would you tell him to just relax and I'll be back as soon as I can with some medicine? Just hang loose, blood. She's gonna catch up on the rebound on the med side. What it is, big mama? My mama didn't raise no dummies. I duck her rap. Cut me some slack, Jack. It's it's a a cutting cutting say cutting say 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 Chomp don't wanna help, chomp don't get the help. Say can't hang, say seven up. Jive ass dude don't got no brains in it. What's up, everybody? I'm Big Lovin', and this is Don Della Snooch. Down here, we got Dragon Buddy, and over there, we got Luna Girl. We're from the Escape Pod. Somebody told us that it was uh, your 100th episode. 100! 100. Having known something about 100 episodes. Yes, we know a little bit. We figured we should say congratulations. 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 Yeah. Congratulations. Oh, I'm gonna off. do a sexy number. With and then the shirt. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> PG, they get one. <laughs> you just get a little bit of the belly. You only get one in a PG. That's all you get. <laughs> well, congratulations, congratulations guys. Congratulations, everybody. Great job, guys. Love you. Hey everybody, it's Ollie K here on the sunny shores of Scarif, and I'm here to wish you guys a happy 100 episodes. That's right, the Scarif Scuttlebutt Podcast made it to 100 episodes. So congratulations, Ro, congratulations, Brad, congratulations, Chantel, and even for a short period of time, we had a nice fellow named Imperial Entanglements. Congratulations to all four of you guys to make it to 100 episodes. It's a feat that I was hoping that you guys would achieve, and I'm glad that you guys did, so... I'm hoping you're here for another 100, 200, 300, 400 episodes. Congratulations, guys, and I can't wait to listen to episode 101. Again, congratulations to the Scared Scuttlebutt Podcast, 100 episodes in. Way to go, guys. I mean, you have movies from Mel Brooks um, that are out there. Yeah. Um, which kind of I think I would go back to some of the thing. Yeah, I think I would probably go back to some of the Charlie Chaplin. Stuff. I was just going to say, if anything, it is going to be Chaplin again, going back Buster Keaton, like that kind of stuff. Mm. I mean, that really, you know, influenced comedy. And then, yeah. but then you have someone like Peter Sellers, and he, oh, yeah. you know, he did comedy very well and kind of the slapstick kind of stuff. I mean, the Pink mm-hmm. Panther was a huge, huge deal. I mm-hmm. mean, it created this whole right. character, Clouseau. So, I mean, yeah, it's so weird that I didn't really think about comedy. <laughs> yeah. And like I, I said, guess I know, because I know, I know more of the modern stuff, it, sure. you know, I go more from maybe like 
the screwball stuff from the 50s and 60s and, and, and on, but I've never really delved deep into the older comedies like Abbott mm-hmm. and Costello and things like that. Yeah, I know uh, our friend Tina mentioned Airplane. I think yeah. uh, the Frank did as well. I feel like if we were talking about TV, I would be able to talk about it more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, Jeff. I'll throw this one out there for uh, for Chantel and uh, for Charles. Uh, if you're going to talk about older comedies, you, you have to talk about Monty Python. Search I guess, I mean, man, I, British humor in general has just yeah. been a huge influence on, on comedy. I Yeah, you're right, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> Especially I mean, to to take, again, it becomes this thing of just like History of the World Part 1. If you don't know the subject matter, it's not funny, you know? So Monty <laughs> Python, the Holy Grail is hilarious because you have to know your history and that's what makes it funny. So to take, it's historical comedy, like, that's a weird genre, but mm-hmm. they sold it. Yeah. And Monty Absolutely. Python in general. Yeah, movies. big, big, big influences. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, next time we uh, we stumble upon a new comedy, um, it's most likely a uh, a remake of something from the UK. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Yeah. Well, these are fantastic uh, entries in our show tonight. Um, before we wrap up, do we, uh, out of everything that we picked, do we dare to pick the top five out of everything that we uh, mentioned? I'm going to tally some things here and see what we come up with. Is the math too much for you? I know how you are with time. Let's see here. Can you add? There's no adding required. (laughs) (laughs) There's Um, actually one movie while while you're adding those up. uh, mm -hmm. One that I'm actually shocked was not mentioned uh, and maybe it's because of the the crowd that that is responding being mostly sci-fi, you know, a Star Wars crowd. I mean, obviously that was the problem with the Parsec Awards was we were Star Wars <laughs> top heavy because most of our followers are Star big Star Wars fans. But um, the Ten Commandments, mm. oh, it's yeah. an incredibly important yes. uh, cinematic piece, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, they they still. I mean, they cut modern movies regularly where they go back and actually seek out that same camera, sure, to yeah. to do big big sweeping shots with. And, yeah. Um, if I'm not mistaken, didn't Rogue One actually go back and use the same lens that was used on some of? I thought I heard. I, heard, I really? thought I read that. Yeah. Yeah. And the lens did not exist commercially anymore. Um, they had to go back to uh, to Kodak. And um, regrind uh, lens using the same specs. Yeah, yeah. See, it's like those little things that I find fascinating uh, when filmmakers go out of their way to to try to you know emulate something that uh, came Bro, from the past. You gotta go to that Academy Museum in LA. I mean, they have one of the original like camera dollies that they used for the Wizard of Oz. I mean, the Wizard of Oz section alone is amazing the ruby slippers i cried when i saw the ruby slippers oh my goodness you would love that museum i swear i think i was there there's a picture of me on a paramount dolly somewhere that's awesome i don't think it was that though i think uh that was when i visited uh the star trek set they had a paramount equipment on on there one, two, three, four, five. All right, I've got five. 
um, based on everything that we talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to name them off, and um, I guess uh, you guys can tell me if any of these are on your list also. And then we can narrow um, collectively five. Um, for one, I absolutely know that Star Wars is on everybody's list. Yep. So as they, as the kids say, don't even. <laughs> um, Andrew, what else do you got? Um, I mean, I, I would say of a lot of the ones I named, kind of going outside that genre, uh, The Godfather. Okay, that's also on my list. Shanti, is it on yours? The Godfather? Mm-hmm. No. Okay. Um, I do have Snow White for the reasons that you mentioned, Shanti. Anybody else? Same. Okay, perfect. And let's see. This is a toss-up between um, The Exorcist and The Matrix, of all things, as, uh, as the number four. Hmm. I'm going with the spewing little girl. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say The Exorcist between those two. Okay. Like, you know, The Matrix is really important, but The Exorcist has been really important for a lot longer. Sure. Absolutely. Good call. All right. So uh, what about the fifth film on our list? We've got four good ones that we all agree on. Mm-hmm. The fifth film, I've got something, but... Uh, Shanti, what do you think? I still want to. I want to throw Metropolis in there. Okay. Andrew, what do you have for for, for your? You know, I was just sitting here trying to come up with a fifth, but I could certainly uh, agree with Metropolis. Yeah, I had Wizard of Oz as my fifth. Yeah, that's. It's it's a hard one. It's it is well. It's such a covering so such a wide variety of genres. It's really hard to narrow it down to five. I gotta tell yeah. you, when I when you sent me the email for this and the list, I was really shocked with myself that the Wizard of Oz didn't come to my mind for some reason. Because I love well, the actually, Wizard of Oz. Actually, so was I. This was uh, I think um, Josh had named uh, the Wizard of Oz, and some other folks named the Wizard of Oz. And I, again, I I didn't think of it either. So, uh, but yeah, this is a good list. We've got uh, Star Wars, The Godfather, Snow White, the uh, animated uh, Disney film, The Exorcist, and Metropolis. What do you think? Good list? I think it's a really solid list. I do too. Awesome. Well, dang, damn it. This has been a lot of fun talking to the, talking this topic with you guys. I was ready for this topic. This was a good one. This, <laughs> yeah, this is, uh, a good you one. know, like I said, for for one uh, of many reasons, these films have been cemented in the pantheon. I love saying that word because it reminds me of uh, pantaloons for some reason. But in the pantheon of filmmaking, <laughs> you would, <laughs> you would. <laughs> um, but great list, uh, great discussion. You guys brought in some really good uh, good movies that uh, I didn't think about, but. Um, Really good stuff. Um, I want to also thank uh, some of our followers who also submitted some entries uh, on Twitter. Uh, I had asked a question uh, a couple of days ago, and you guys uh, delivered. Thank you so much. That is fantastic. But uh, in closing, I just want to make sure that everybody knows where to find you guys. Andrew, um, where can folks find you? 
Yeah, you can find me at crew underscore podcast. That's C-R-U underscore podcast on Twitter. And you can find my shows, the Science Fictionary Podcast and Coruscant Radio Underground anywhere you listen to podcasts. Absolutely. Wonderful, wonderful stuff. And uh, Shanti, I know you're all over the place. Like I mentioned, you were uh, with Danny and uh, Tina this weekend. Uh, congratulations to uh, to Comics and Cosmetics. Uh, if you don't know about her channel, check her out on YouTube. If you want to learn about comics while putting on some eyeliner or some <laughs> f- funky little makeup, one day I'm going to follow her direction and see Are you? what I can come up with. Contouring? contouring and (laughs) i don't know yeah but uh where can folks find you shanti i'm on twitter and instagram and both at selena kyle 29 i decided to keep it simple (laughs) very nice i was gonna say where where can people find you besides your kill room Absolutely. Guys, thank you so much for joining uh, us. Uh, Andrew, thank you for joining Shanti and and myself. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. This was a great uh, topic. And uh, let's see uh, if uh, our followers and uh, people that participated uh, agree with our list. Uh, Like I said, we've got uh, Star Wars, Godfather, Snow White, Exorcist, and Metropolis as uh, five of our most influential films of all time for one reason or another. Uh, if you agree, if you disagree, hit us up on the Twitter and uh, let us know what your list is. Um, it's a pretty comprehensive list. Um, again, thank you very much for, for joining us. If you just found our podcast, thank you very much for trying us out. If you are a longtime listener, thank you so much for your support. We really appreciate it. We can be found anywhere you find your other favorite podcasts. We are Scare of Podcast. Also on the Red 5 Network. Uh, check us out on the Red 5 Network on Twitter. There's a pinned account. You can check out the rest of our Red 5 family, which uh, Andrew is part of. Thank you so much, Andrew. And uh, Shanti, take us out. I am Ro, and who are you? I don't know anymore, but that's the scuttlebutt. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you, guys. I want to thank everybody who participated and sent over a voicemail wishing us well on 100 episodes. Thank you guys very much. Okay, giveaway time. We teamed up with Public to say thank you. We're giving away a few t-shirts, and this giveaway is valid up to May 1st just to give everyone enough time to participate. Brad had a really wonderful idea, so listen up. There are big picture things in this world that we cannot change no matter how hard we try, but we can use our own passion to affect immediate change in our local communities. At the Scarif Podcast, our passion is all things nerdy and geeky, and we try to use that passion responsibly. With great power, you know what they say, but we try and inspire positive interactions on the show. We want to know how you use your passion to inspire positive change and help make the world better. Tell us how. Send us a voicemail, email us a short video clip, or DM us on Twitter and let us know how you embrace your passion to make gentle the life of this world. When you do, you'll be automatically entered in the Tee Public giveaway for a free t-shirt. Tee Public will select two lucky winners with their choice of Scuttlebutt t-shirts and we will match that total for four lucky winners. 
if you feel like you don't want to enter, please visit our Tee Public shop and pick up a ScarifCon t-shirt. We'll be donating all the proceeds of that t-shirt to the Chicago Food Depository, whose work goes towards providing food to needy Chicago families. We did that last year, and we've already surpassed the amount we donated last year. Big thanks for that. Remember, we all can affect change. And that's the scuttlebutt. Good luck. listener just a reminder that the podcast you just heard is a proud member of the red five network family red five network.com offers you a great variety of shows you'll be sure to love so the next time you're itching for quality content make sure you head over to red five network.com you'll find this podcast along with a whole lot more all wings report in it's the red five network <laughs>